Uh, thank you for the very kind introduction, Brother Ng. It's, uh, it's my honor, it's a privilege for me to be able to uh, share with you God's word. Uh, please excuse my slides, I only have a couple and sometimes I, when I'm trying to figure out the slides and the notes, <laughs> I get lost in between. So if you see me uh, get lost in between, uh, just bear with me, okay? We are the, the different group of uh, age group of people, okay? <laughs> Yeah, I just realized that during the Bible class, very interesting Bible class, but you know, when you talk about marriage, all those who are for married very long keep quiet, all the ones who are young and <laughs> married for a while, they give all kinds of comments, okay? <laughs> but just an interesting thought, okay? It, <laughs> anyway, uh, this morning I'd like to share with you uh, on the topic of take my yoke and learn of me. Now, if you realize that uh, Jesus offers his yoke to us, and in offering his yoke to us, he also said, learn of me. If you uh, look at the word yoke, okay, I took it from the, the, the meaning from the King James Dictionary, but yoke is basically a wooden cross piece that is fastened over the necks of two animals and attached to the plow or cart that they are supposed to pull, okay? So if you look at the word yoke, uh, figuratively in the Bible, you'll find that there are many uh, usage for it, and one is perhaps uh, if you are yoked together with your spouse, okay? <laughs> Just to, to, to let you know you're yoked together with your spouse. And so that's a sim symbol of mutual, of coming together on an agreement that you're going to uh, be together, right? And then also, it's also a symbol, of figurative a service, where in, in the book of Matthew 28 and 30, it talks about the service. And uh, when we accept the invitation of uh, Christ to carry his yoke, we actually come in his service, all right? And agree to come together with Christ. And we find that we, that happens when we become a Christian, when you hear the word of God and when you are convinced that he is the uh, Lord and Savior and uh, you confess your sins and as you confess your sins, you are baptized into Christ, you actually accepted the offer of Christ to take his yoke. And we find that Christ says that the yoke that he carries is easy and the uh, burden is light. Okay? And, but he, just notice that word, I want you to notice, uh, learn of me. Because sometimes we, we think that we become a Christian and then we say, <laughs> the, the life doesn't, don't, it's not that easy, okay? But Jesus said it's supposed to be easy. And the reason why it's easy is because the part we have sometimes we miss out is that we are supposed to learn of Jesus, how he carries the yoke, okay? And in that sense, if you look at Jesus, we find that he is as, as exactly like us in the sense that he has the hunger, he has thirst, he has pain, he has emotion, he has challenges of life. And he carries the yoke of life, if you may, okay, as we do. And we can, say, we can see that uh, how he carries the yoke through the life that he lived and the teachings that he has given. So when he invites us to take his yoke, rather it should be that to take it with him, alright? Because a yoke is, is, is taken by two people. So when Jesus offers his yoke, you are supposed to take the yoke with Jesus. And then you are supposed to learn of him. He's beside you, you are supposed to learn of him so that you can find rest. Rest as in... Not the eternal, uh, complete rest that he promises uh, to Christians at the end of uh, our, our, our lifetime. But, you know, the, the other day we were carrying uh, uh, something heavy as we, because the, 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 some of our brethren needed some furniture. So we went to a place to carry the very heavy stuff. And then as you're carrying the heavy stuff, somebody comes over and then just gives you the strength and lifts it up. Wow, you find that's a rest, okay? So the rest that Christ is talking about, if I uh, read the scriptures correctly, that is, is a rest that when you, it's not so burdensome. When you go through life, it's not so burdensome if you learn from Jesus, all right? Learn from Jesus. And the first thing we find that 
Okay, the first thing that we, we, we find that in our life, we have this, what we call the burdens of life or the burdens of the cares of life. And we find that Jesus tells us in his teaching to actually uh, uh, trust in God as the provider for our, all the cares of this life, okay, the things that we need. And we find that in First uh, Peter chapter 5 and verse 7 says that trusting all your cares upon him who cares for us, right? we are supposed to cast all our cares on God. And in Matthew chapter uh, 6, verse 25, if you have a Bible, turn with me to Matthew chapter 6, 25 to uh, 33. It's a lengthy passage, but I think we should read it, okay? Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor yet for your body, what you shall put on. Is not life more than meat, and body than raiment. Behold the folds of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into buns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them, are ye not much better than they? Which of you by taking a thought can add one cubic unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Therefore if God so clothed the grass of the field which today is and tomorrow is cast into oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink? For readable shall we be clothed. For all these things do the Gentiles seek, for your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Jesus is not denying the fact that we as humans need uh, our daily needs. But he wants to remind us that not only does mankind actually need the uh, daily needs, even every living creature, whether you are a plant or an animal, you need all these needs. And God takes care of them by providing for them, whether it be the birds or it be the plants. And if God provides for them, Jesus is trying to give the illustration, if God provides for them, and uh, you know some of the plants, they are taken to burn and for man's use. And for us, humans, created in the image of God, is of greater consideration how much more will not God actually provide for us. And so therefore, he says, don't be anxious over the cares of this life, but seek his kingdom first and rest assured that the needs will be provided. Sometimes we are choked by the cares of the world when we forget to ask from God. And Jesus says that God is always ready to hear his children's request. In Matthew chapter 7 and verse 11, it says, If, then, if ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how, small, how much more shall your Father which in heaven give good things to them that ask him. And sometimes we carry the burden of life ourselves when we don't cast all our cares on God who cares for us, right? And sometimes trust, the, the idea of casting all our cares is a matter of trust, that which is progressive that you have to learn. A lot of times we cast our cares, but we don't cast all our cares. We cast some of our cares, then we keep some of our cares to settle it ourselves. We think that, no, this one God can handle. Uh, this one we handle ourselves, this one we give to God. We somehow compartmentalize it and then say, okay, God take this. But it's not true, okay? God says that cast all your cares, whether it's the cares of this life, or as we look in the next one, will be the cares of tomorrow. And when he talks about taking care of your, all the cares of life, it doesn't mean taking care of all the ones. You know, there are many, many years ago, when I opened my closet, I look at my closet, then I look at all the clothes there, then I realized that not even a single cloth <laughs> I bought for myself. <laughs> and that time was uh, so-called, we were not financially doing very well. But so we all, I, you know, 
husbands they will keep the money for the wife to buy and the children to buy. But they say, I, I, we don't need it. But somehow, you look at the closet, they say, wow, all the clothes are there for me to wear. And it's nice looking good. But it's all given by people. I don't know how. But God provided for me, alright? And then many years later on, I mean, I open my closet and then I see, look at the closet. Hey, all the clothes now I buy myself. <laughs> then I say, okay, God also provide for me. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter how it comes from, whether it is given by you from people or whether you, God allow you to buy it yourself or whatever. But the, the idea is that when you look every time at the closet, at formula, I know that God is providing for me whichever way, alright? And so we need to be able to cast all our cares on Him, okay? Not some of our cares on Him. But sometimes we are, we are faced by a situation where we, there is no, it's difficult for us to, uh, not to bear it. Okay? If you remember in 2 Corinthians 12, verse 9, uh, Paul, when he was facing some thorns of flesh, in, uh, not some kind of a, a burden that he had to carry, okay? some thorn in the flesh, he says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee, for I, my strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities, that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Sometimes you, 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 there's no, you really need to go through a situation or a circumstance, circumstances, right? And we find here that Paul says that God's grace will help us through. And whether it's a health issue or a financial issue or a challenge of life that we have to go through, we find Paul is trying to say that if you need to go through, you allow the power of Christ to rest, okay, to rest upon you. To rest upon you is like the, the Greek word is attend. That means he... he well, okay, the, uh, the power of God rests in you. It's like a tent abiding in you. So in that sense, as you go through the difficulty in your life, your daily difficulty in your life, let the power of God rest in you. When it rests in you, means that you're relying on His strength. Okay, you're relying on His strength to do it. And that's why you look in the life of Paul, he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. Right? And sometimes, uh, we are really, uh, we are really, uh, uh, if I may use a walk down my life. If you, if you look at the life of Jeremiah, right? Jeremiah in the Old Testament, he was in prison, all right. He was in the pits of the dungeon, so to speak. Where he couldn't see any light. And at that moment of time, where he was there, he find that in his prayers in Lamentations of the Three, verse twenty-one to twenty-five, he says, "This I recall to my mind. Therefore, have I hope. It is the Lord's mercies that we are not consumed, because His compassion." Fail it not. They are new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. And verse 25 says, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. The cares of this life, whether it is the daily provision of, of life, our health, our financial issues, or any challenging issues, there's only one way to find rest. That means when you carry the yoke, let God, let Christ carry the yoke. Cast your cares on God who cares for us, and to have His power rest in us, that means to let His uh, sufficiency help us to go through it, lean on His strength and not ours, and to know that the compassion of God does not cease. Right? Every morning when you wake up is a day full of hope. That's what Jeremiah said, right? that His compassion never faileth, and they are new every morning. Every morning that you wake up, the promises of God are new. And therefore, in uh, Romans chapter 8, he says, what shall we then say to these things, the things that you face, all right? If God is for us, who can be against us? I don't know. I don't see Brother T. Maybe he's on quarantine or what? He's a, he's a football fan at Evid, all right? <laughs> Imagine if you watch your football, if you have a favorite uh, 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 team, probably his, his team is Liverpool, all right? 
And he watched uh, uh, the team, uh, game number one. His Liverpool game is losing 1-0. Then at the end of the game, Liverpool wins 2-1. Then the next game he goes, Liverpool is playing with another one, Manchester United or whatever. And then it's, uh, uh, the score is 2-0. Then he looks at the game. Then at the end of the game, he, he wins 3-2, Liverpool. Then the unit, watch another, move, another game and he's down by 3-0. And at the end of the game, it's 4-0. Uh, 4-3, uh, sorry. And then the, the, another game he sees is 8-0. And then at the end of the game, it's 9-8. I mean, for four consecutive games, uh, you look at the, 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 the kind of game that he, your team is playing. What do you think? He never loses, isn't he? <laughs> So what God is trying to say, no matter how the condition they are in, at the end of the day, if you are on God's side, you will win. And the, the assurance is because God says after in verse 31, He says, He that fed not His Son, but delivered Him for us, or how shall He not with Him also freely give us all things? That's the God's assurance of providence that if God had given Christ His best to us, Rest assured that He will give us all our needs. The next point I want to share with you is uh, the burden, burdens of cares of this life. Okay, but this one is the burdens of tomorrow. It's a part two, alright, of cares of, of of this life. Sometimes we don't carry the cares. It, it, the cares of this life is not the one that we feel very heavy. It's the burdens of tomorrow. Wow, tomorrow, what will happen? Next day, what will uh, next week? What will happen next year? What will happen? We we carry a lot of burden of actually not on the present day. A lot is the future one, and sometimes we we carry so much that you know if you carry for the the day's burden, it's really heavy. Imagine you carry the collective days, you know, to come. It's even more heavy, and therefore, Christ. If you look in verse uh, Matthew chapter six and verse thirty four, the one that I messed up. Therefore, take no thought for tomorrow. For the morrow shall take thought for the things itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Christ is trying to say that you need to live for that day. Okay? If you remember there's a hymn, I don't know about tomorrow, but I know who holds tomorrow. God is the one who holds tomorrow, even though you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Okay? If you have your cares of tomorrow, you have the, 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 the lot of things that is getting on to you because of tomorrow, then you also need to cast your cares on, on God. But you need, as Jesus did, to live for each day. You know, while life gives us a, a, a certain reasonable assurance of the continuity of life, because we live in the time, we know oh, the next day will come, the next day. But if you look at the reality of life, sometimes not everything is that certain. When, when COVID comes or not, you see everything is very fragile, very uncertain. So while life has its assurance of continuity, but you, you have to Notice that the reality of life is that sometimes it doesn't continue, right? It doesn't continue. But that's why Christ tells you to live for that day, not for the next day, right? Not for the, not, not, not for the next day. But sometimes we say, you know, when Jesus tells us about all these things, He's the Son of God. He can do whatever He wants, and then there's, he, he has the ability to do all the miracles in His life. So does he really understand? Does he really understand us? All right. Does he really understand us? If you look at the life of Jesus when he was tempted, when he was tempted, when he fasted for forty days, he was hungry. Uh, Satan tempted him to turn the, the the stones into bread. You know, Jesus had the ability to turn those stones into bread, but he didn't. 
He didn't because if he took every instance in his life, if he would just, you know, you see some movies, he would just uh, move the magic wine and then everything is solved, then he will never understand us as humans as we go through our life. But the fact is that he lived his life in obedience to God, all right? In Hebrews chapter 5, verse 8, he said, Though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered. That means he has to go through the life just like every one of us, going through the life. And because he, 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 he also uh, suffered, he is able to understand us, all right? In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15 and 16, he says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly on the throne of grace that we may obtain mercy and find grace in time of need. There's mercy and grace for today. There's mercy and grace for all the tomorrows that you're going to, going to meet. All right? And therefore, we can come boldly. To come boldly is to have the assurance that God will help us. You know, Jesus knew that he was about he was, there will come a point where they will crucify him on the cross. And in many, many occasions, he told his, his apostles. But the apostles were actually very oblivious of this, right? And then they really didn't understand it. And sometimes, if you look in the life of Jesus, sometimes you, you go through life and then you, you are being pronounced to have an illness. And that perhaps the illness is terminal. It's, in a way, you do not know how long you will live. How long you will live? You begin to wonder how long you live, whether it's one year, five years, or ten years. But the reality is, even those who are without illness, those who are all, all of us who are alive, don't really know how long we're going to live. It's just that we begin to think, the healthy person begins to think, oh, I, I got so much, so much. The person who's not healthy think, oh, I don't have really. It's not that way, okay? We do not know. You know, my wife's mother was, uh, uh, had kidney failure. She was on dialysis, all right? And many a times, a lot of those, his, the healthy uh, members of the family look at her and then say, oh, she's going already, she's going already. But she survived for 22 years, all right? And a lot of those people who say that, oh, she's going, she all went already and she's still alive. <laughs> so what I'm trying to say is that you do not know, all right, brethren, you do not know whether how long you're going to live, if you have a terminal, is it because with God all things are possible, then you do not know. So you have to cast the burden of tomorrow upon God. Don't carry it because there's nothing you know about tomorrow. Only God knows, all right? Only God knows. And when you have tomorrow in God's hands, God says in Jeremiah 29 verse 11, For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, said the Lord, thoughts of peace, not of evil, but to give you an expected end. So the, God is trying to say, no matter how it is, look, the end for you is a good one. You don't have to worry about what you go through. The end is a good one. That's what we want. The end to be the good one. And God promised us that, right? And the next point I want to share is that sometimes in this, when we carry, uh, when we carry the yoke with Jesus, we find that he is not burdened by the, the, the thoughts of negative thoughts. All right? He's not burdened by that. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 38, he says that how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Ghost and with power. And he says, who went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. So Jesus went everywhere doing good. But in John chapter 10 and verse 32, when they were about to stone Jesus, Jesus answered, and, uh, answered them and said, Many good works have I showed you from my Father, for which of those works do you stone me? You know, when people want to pain us or want to beat us or want to beat us up, the first thing we ask is, Hey, what wrong have I done? Or what evil have I done? 
But Jesus is different. Jesus said, what good have I done? Have I done? Because he's very sure he didn't do any evil. He was very sure that he didn't do any mistakes to anyone. And that's why he was, he, he was so confident to say, which good have I done that you're going to do this to me? And in, in, in that sense, in that sense, okay, that when you, are, when you have cast, when you have cast to God your cares, your cares in prayer, the next thing you need to do is to think good and to do good, to allow God to work in you. And that's what, that's what Jesus did in his life, right? When he carried the yoke, to, uh, to think good and to, uh, to do good, to allow God to work. In Philippians chapter 4 and verse 8, it says, Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of good report, if there be any virtue, if there be any praise, think on these things. So we need to think on the goodness of God. Think on the goodness that others have done for us. Sometimes when you are down, you need to think about the good things, alright? And think the good that you have done for others. Have you done for others any good thing? Alright? And sometimes uh, you, you also need to, to, to believe, your wholeheartedly believe in the good that God will do regardless of the hardship or the so-called evil we face in our life if we live according to His will. Alright? In Romans chapter 8 and verse 28, it says, and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. While we cannot understand some of the things that happen to us, uh, God will work it out for good if we live according to His will and purpose. All right? If you read the, uh, the Bible, we find that the people in Thessalonica, okay, the Thessalonians were known for their work of faith, their labor of love, and their patience of hope. Okay? In 1 Thessalonians chapter 1 and verse 3, but I want you to uh, take a look at Second Thessalonians chapter one and verse eleven. Okay, he says, "Therefore also we pray always for you, that our God would count you worthy of His calling, and fulfill all the good pleasures of His goodness, and the work of faith with power." We find that in going through their persecutions, there was a good that God was doing through their lives. Like Paul, even though he was in jail, yet he kept doing good and preaching the gospel. And we find that. There were even people who were in the Caesar's household that was converted. All right. And uh, we find that not only that, that many people who look at the lives of Paul also had the courage to preach. All right. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 12 to 14, you find that uh, Paul saying that. But I just want you to notice that even though all the hardship that these people were going through, it was to fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness. That means God can work out something good the thing that you're going through but the key is that you have to do according to his will but not only that also notice the second part is the work of faith with power sometimes god can use your life with what you're going through to exhibit the power of his power in your life all right and in that sense why is he doing all these things we find in verse 12 says that that the name of our lord jesus christ may be glorified in you and ye in him according to the grace of our god and the Lord Jesus Christ. The fact is that when we go through all these things, the name of Christ will be glorified in our lives. We find that Jesus did not let all the negative response of the people rejecting him stop him from going to other towns to preach. Okay? And even if his, his siblings and leaders of the time found difficulty in accepting him, but he continued with his work, he did not let the negativity get him down, right? And we find that later on, if you look at the impact of his life, we find that his siblings uh, uh, believed in him. 
uh, other leaders like Nicodemus also believe. And he even see that, you know, in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, he even see that the cross as something that is positive where people, through what he's going through, will be able to have salvation in him. Not only that, he also know that after his death, he will be with God in heaven. I'm not asking you to go and analyze in your, all your life, okay, this one is good, uh, this one is good. <laughs> okay. The idea is that you need to trust him that he will work all things to come out good. One day, perhaps when you look back, then you, you will notice all the good that he has done for you. All right? And there is no room for negativity or doubt in what God can do for us. All right? And if you just notice that some of the scriptures I, I quoted to you, I call this the possibility of all things. The word all things is there in all the scriptures that I quote to you. In Romans chapter 8, verse 32, it says, He that spared not his son, but delivered him up for us, or how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? In Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, it says, I can do all things to Christ who strengthens me. And in Matthew chapter 19, verse 26, With man, this is impossible, but with God, all things are possible. And in Romans 8, chapter 28, all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose. If you forget my lesson, remember these four verses, the all things in your life and how that, that will guide you along your life. All right? And the last one point that I want to share with you is the forgiveness of sin versus the burden of sin. In Luke chapter 23 and verse 34, when Jesus was dying on the cross, Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. And they parted his raiment and cast lots. The people who crucified Christ did not fully comprehend what they were doing. Okay? They were not just killing just an innocent man, right? They were killing a sinless person. They were killing the Son of God in the flesh, right? And because of that, even though they Christ looked at them and said, Forgive them, Father, for they know what they do. Not that the judgment will not come to them, but for that moment, God will not strike all of them dead. So that he was praying that they may be given a chance later. As the, 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 they realize it, they will come to a point of repentance. And so we find that here, sin is something that has to be dealt with. If not, there will be a judgment from God. We find in Psalm chapter 38 and verse 3 to 4, it says that, there is no soundness in my flesh because of thine anger, neither is there any rest in my bones because of my sin. For my iniquities are gone over mine head, has an heavy burden, they are too heavy for me. Sin is described by the psalmist as a heavy burden. All right? And uh, do, do those who acknowledge their sin, uh, do those who don't acknowledge their sin, don't feel anything, but those who acknowledge their sin, they will feel that the burden of sin and they find that they cannot carry it. Sin is also lawlessness. All right? In 1 John chapter 3, verse 4, Whosoever committed sin transgressed also the law, for sin is the transgression of the law. And you know, alright, if you, are, you transgress the law, you have to meet the judgment of the law. And in that sense, you, if you sin, you have to meet the judgment of the law. And the sin is also the wages, uh, is, is also uh, something that you do which you will get uh, the wages as in death, okay? In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it says, For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life. To Jesus Christ, our Lord. So Christ is the one that who can 
take away our sin. And in Psalm chapter 49, verse 6 to 8, it says that there are, there are some who think that if you, if, you, if you have money, you can do a lot of things. You know, sometimes you, when I read the scriptures, there are moments of time when it, it, it reflects back to me of my life with my, my, my loved ones. Right? I remember when my, my grandfather was in uh, uh, last days of his life because he had a failure of the, 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 the he was, was starting to fail. You know, he made some observations. He said, nah, which people also need to die. Because if you look at him, he, 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 his life, he, he struggled his life. And at that point of life, he was having a comfortable life already. But then he also realized that it doesn't mean that you have riches, you don't die, right? And Psalms 49 verse 6 to 8 clearly says this, They that trust in their wealth and boast themselves in the multitude of their riches, none of them can by any means redeem his brother, nor give to God a ransom for him. For the redemption of their soul is precious and cease not forever. You cannot pay to redeem your, 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 your soul from sin with money, okay? There's no way. And in Isaiah chapter 64 and verse 6, But we are all as unclean things, and all our righteousness are as filthy rags. And we, do all, we all do fade as leaves, and our iniquities, like the wind, have taken us away. We cannot deliver ourselves. We cannot deliver ourselves through our own righteousness. You know, you cannot. A lot of people think that when they do good, they can somehow buy salvation for themselves. It is not possible, alright? And we find that Christ is the one who bore the punishment for our behalf. In Isaiah chapter 53, verse 4 to 6, it says, Surely he had borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we did not esteem him stricken, beaten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, he was bruised for our iniquities, the testament of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray, we have turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. Look at the phrase, the Lord had laid on him the iniquity of us all. But that is only possible if you accept Christ to be your Savior. Okay? He, he can carry your sin, but you need to allow him to do that. Right? And so, because Christ has borne the burden of sin, we do not need to bear it. Therefore, we don't have to carry the burden of sin. If we take the offer of Christ and take his yoke, which is sinless, because he is sinless, and he on Calvary has taken away our sins. So we find that, you know, we exchange. The, the, yoke, the yoke is exchanged. We no longer carry the one, the burden of sin, right? Because of Christ. And we find that in uh, 1 Timothy chapter 12, verse 12 to 16, Paul, uh, saying how he was. Uh, Converted says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord who had enabled me for that he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, who was before a blasphemer and a persecutor and injurious, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with faith and love, which is Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all exception that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am chief. How be it for this cause I obtain mercy, for that in me first Jesus Christ might show forth all long suffering for a pattern to them which should hereafter believe him, believe on him to life everlasting. The fact is that it does not mean the sins never happen. When Christ, when Jesus forgives us, it doesn't mean that oh that, that those sins never happen. We find that Paul said that I was before a blasphemer, a persecutor, and a Jew. It just means that 
it will not be held accountable. For those of you who are doing accounts, you will know that when you when you take away the, the, the thing, you no more owe the person already, okay? The accounting. But it's written there, but you no longer owe the person, you don't have to pay him back anymore. So in that sense, it is not forgotten, but it is not held in account. That means it's a written off. The debt is written off. Okay? It's written off. And because Christ has paid on our behalf, we no longer need to carry the burden, alright? <clears throat> now, having received forgiveness, we should also forgive others too, alright? And sometimes I, I, I made this statement, sometimes we, we act as if we are greater than God. And people ask, why? <laughs> because in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32 says, And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as Christ even as God, for Christ's sake, had forgiven you. Some of us cannot forgive others even for Christ's sake, but God can. <laughs> that means we are greater than God. If God can forgive someone for Christ's sake, but we look at the person, oh, I cannot forgive you. Even for Christ's sake, I cannot forgive you. Then we are greater than God already. <laughs> so the idea is that, brethren, we need to forgive one another as God has forgiven us. There is healing in forgiveness and there is a new, clean and new start. Since we are already, the burden of sin has taken away from us, we should not put back the burden of sin, alright? In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 26, it says, For if we sin willfully after that we have received the knowledge of truth, there remained no sacrifice for sin. We should not live in sin. Okay? We should not live. Not only should we not live in sin, Hebrews chapter 12, uh, verse 12, uh, verse 1, sorry, says that we should not actually, we should put away the weights Okay, the weights of sin. Therefore, seeing we, all, we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which not so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We need to take away the weight all right, that, 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 that hinders us. I don't know where, where do you put your weights. You put your weights on your shoulders or you put your weights on your leg. Okay? I, I'm just looking at the picture you are carrying. Uh, we are carrying the yoke with Christ, and then we, we on our legs we tie all the weights. <laughs> it's it's difficult to move, alright. I'm trying to see a, a a picture for you to see, like if you're you're carrying all the weights on your legs and all that, as you take the yoke of Christ together, the sin that Christ took away from your shoulders already, now you put on your legs and then you try to trying to walk with it again. So you should take off the weights, alright. Take off the weights so that you don't carry the weights anymore, and then that will make you easier. Uh, you have that, that, that rest, so-called rest that, that is being given to you. Of course, that's the eternal rest that, that Christ promised for those uh, who die in Christ, alright? And if you go through life, sometimes not only do you, as you face the, 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 the problem in life, you also see the, the, what do you call, I call this the burden of decisions. Uh, I don't know, have you have been burdened by a decision? <laughs> You know, I see this very clearly in my mom's life, right? In in one section of her life, right? When we were very young at the time, my mom had, had cancer, right? And uh, I was a very young child at that time, so I don't really really understand about life until when I become a parent. And then, you know, I look at her, and then from from now as I look back, I see that she she had she she had the the burden of decision to seek the right treatment. Sometimes you have something, ah, uh, health issue, ah, uh, people tell you, oh, do this, do that, do this. Everyone, every hundred people is telling you what to do, right? And then you have the, you have the, but the decision is on you. The burden is on you to take what decision you want to make. 
And then we find, I also find that just because you have this uh, thing, it doesn't mean the cares of this life. I mean, the daily, daily needs of your life is somehow by magic man no more. Already. Because you're sick, everything is taken care of. He has to go through that, that burden of the daily life. And then the, the, the burden of tomorrow, primarily, not for herself, I don't think so, but for her children. All of us were very young, you know. So she has this burden of tomorrow that she says, oh, who am I going to, how are my children going to do it? And then you also realize as I look at life, life doesn't treat her special just because she got, she got a sickness, all right? It, it's the same thing whether you have a sickness or you're healthy. Life continues to have that kind of challenges for you. And so sometimes I wish that during that time I, I was older, I could help her, right? As I look back, like, I, I at least hold some of her burden and all that. But I, I, I was too young at the time. And... Uh, you know, at, at times when I look back again, as I, after I became, became a Christian, there were times when uh, our, our, our family members would rebuke us because we, as a Christian, you do not uh, do the ancestral worship anymore, right? They rebuke us. Not, they rebuke us. The pain is not because the, of the rebuking of the, the thing, okay? Because we understand what we are doing. But the, the pain is because they, they think that we are no, not filial to our mother. <laughs> That's the part that we find very uh, difficult to take. And the only thing I did know how to do in, at my time when I was, I don't know whether it was 11, probably 11, okay, I can't even remember the age. But I know that there was a, this concept of God, right? This was concept of God that somewhere in the blues there was God. And I thought that, you know, when the rain come down, the rain go up, so the rain will return back to God. <laughs> so I remember holding this pile of rain coming down and then, you know, God, can you, I, I'm willing to share my life, whatever life I have, Okay, I give to, give to my brother, please extend the life, okay? I wanted to leave. And that's the, 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 the struggle of life that you have. What I'm trying to tell you is that if you are a Christian, the struggle is different because you have Christ helping you and holding you. Because when you go through your struggles, the yoke is bare by Christ. You know this, uh, I, I did some reading on the yoke. It seems that if one person, the, the, why you put the two cows together is because if you, they, when they do the work with the yoke, they can do three times the work of three cows. If you train the two cows to work, they can do ten times the work of a, a ten cows. So I don't know whether that is true or not. But I know from the passage that Christ has given to us, if you learn from Him, then only you can find the rest. Because that way you have to, then only you can let Christ carry your yoke. That is the privilege and, the, and the, the thing that we have as Christians because Christ is the one helping us to carry. And, you know, sometimes we, the, I, I remember telling you the story of the, how the, the, the pain of the rebuke is actually better, uh, uh, the question of the filiality. But we still continue to love and respect our, our family members because we, their knowledge of afterlife is, is limited. Sometimes we... If you look at Luke chapter uh, 16, the rich man, when he was in, in Hades, realized that he got five brothers that he wants to go back and he asked if Lazarus could be sent back. You know, that sometimes the, 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 a little bit of thought in that passage is trying to tell us that if our loved ones are no longer with us, when they are in somewhere else, wherever they are, whether it's in paradise or in Tartarus, there's only one thought for us who are living, that we will, we will obey God's will. 
when they are there, the reality of being sets in, there's only one thing they desire for us, that is that you will actually obey. Whichever part they are in, they, they will have this thing. So let's let's uh, let's take the thought that you know our loved ones will mean all the best for us. Okay, sometimes we are we are we are, we are not able to be uh, to accept Christ because something is holding us back, like you know because of our loved ones who are not Christians. But I just want to say that the the book of Luke chapter sixteen actually tells us that wherever they are, they want the best for us, be able to obey God. All right. Uh, so brethren, I hope the lesson this morning is an encouragement to you that if you want to uh, find rest, at least some, some rest in the sense, not the eternal rest that God promised us uh, when we die. Uh, Revelation 14 and verse 13 that those who die in Christ will rest from their labors. We don't need to uh, labor anymore. Okay? We will rest from our labors. But the fact that as you go through life, there will be the burdens of life, the cares of this life that will uh, is is carried by us. But let us carry it with Christ, and in that sense, you can find some some rest. All right, and uh, that's my sharing for today. If you have a, a desire to become a Christian, to be able to carry the yokes of this life together with Christ, so that you can carry the yoke with Him, uh, you can come as we sing the song of invitation, or if there's any prayer request among the brethren to, to lift the, help you in the challenges that you face in this life, uh, you also can do as we stand to sing the song of invitation. Thank you.